again. It's Eric and Tara from Capital. Welcome to Capital Stories, the podcast from Capital Church, where we talk to real people about real issues and explore intersections of life and faith to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. And today's episode is a real adventure, and we can't wait for you to hear it. So about a month ago, we talked to Roxy Cross and Tegan Nardone. They're a mother-daughter in Capital's community, and they have had quite the journey of coming to faith in Jesus. Right. Like, there are literally parts of their story that could be made into one of those movies that says events based on a true story, and you're watching like, no, right. there's there's no way. But yes, they tell us about their journey from this off-the-grid, modern-day pioneer lifestyle with their identities rooted deeply in another faith, all the way to today, where they're an integral part of a new community here at Capitol and have new roots and new new foundation mm-hmm. as disciples of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're excited for you to listen. Here is Tegan and Roxy on Capital Stories. You guys have a unique story and there's a lot of pieces to it and there's a lot of nuance. And let's just start with maybe a little bit of background. Give us some context on where you came from. Tell us about your family. Start where you would say is the beginning of your story. For me, when I think about the beginning um, Mm. in terms of faith, you know, we can talk about me being eight years old and being baptized in another church. Um, That doesn't feel like it for me. That felt like the thing my friends were doing that I was going to do at that time. Um, It felt like wanting to belong to a group of people. Mm. And so that, that wasn't it. That wasn't faith for me. I actually spent, you know... Really, I would say most of my life completely oblivious to, to God's presence, who mm. he is, his character, what he was doing in my life, completely oblivious. Through my teens, early 20s, all that good stuff, I definitely lived believing um, I was on my own for the most part. And, you know, you'll probably hear a little bit about things being kind of tricky for us and we, uh, we didn't have it easy when I was young by any means. So there was a lot of, you know, kids growing up fast and moving You're out You're one young. of nine children. Yes, one of nine children. <laughs> I'm number six out of nine. <laughs> so there's a lot of growing up really fast, and there was a lot of being really independent. Um, there's this kind of unique situation that happens when you're in a large group like that in your home where you feel like you have no privacy at the same time that you feel completely invisible, like no one notices mm. anyway, <laughs> there's so much going on. You don't get the privacy, you don't get the alone time. Um, but because there's so much going on, you can feel very alone at the mm. same time. So I would say, I really just believed I got this. If I have to have this, I'm going to have this. And I made all my decisions based on the fact that I believed I was on my own. Confidence. You yeah. had self-confidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, just necessity. Mm. I didn't trust leaning on others, um, including a God. I called myself kind of like a self-proclaimed scholar atheist. I Mm. really um, loved getting into religious arguments with Mm. religious people at parties, and I thought I was hilarious and really smart. (laughs) (laughs) I would be the first one to pull verse out of context and Mm. throw it in their faces. And I'm like, well, if you believe in the Bible, then explain this. Um, And I liked that. It made me feel powerful. It made me feel smart. And it made Mm. me feel like I didn't need that. I was better than that. That thing, that crutch they were leaning on. I was stronger than that. I have an incredible son, Matthew. Mm -hmm. Just the sweetest kid. And I had him young. I was 19. Mm -hmm. 
And I felt grown up at the time already. And then it was like, okay, we're going to grow up even more, even faster. When Matthew was, gosh, I don't even remember how old, six, seven, something like that. He started asking me about God, his Mm. friends went to church, those kinds of things. And uh, I genuinely believed Matthew. I mean, and I still believe Matthew is a very smart kid. He is the kid that if I give him the details, if I explain the why behind things, he gets it. He understands. And he like really absorbs it. He wanted to try a church. And I was like, well, he's just going to see the same thing I saw because it's obvious to anyone who's smart what's going on in those churches. <laughs> I was working at the University of Utah at the time, and one of my patients had invited me to her church uh, several times, actually. But she came in just quiet, sweet, pleasant to be around and just told me about the goofy things her goofy church was doing and (laughs) her goofy pastor and he's obsessed with food and it's so funny (laughs) and I would just listen to her and I'm "Mm mm-hmm just a lot okay mm mm-hmm when my son wanted to go to church he was the first person I thought of because I'm like oh if I'm gonna go with somebody it may as well be this person that I do really like I checked it out myself first. You know, I definitely want to check it out before I bring my kid in. And um, it was during God in the Movies. And it was The Princess Bride, which is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) I know I'm very special. No one else likes that movie. Um, But it was unreal to me. I came in ready to argue against religious doctrine, um, oppression, sheep mentality, all of these things I had in my head. And it was love. Mm. And I just sat there and I was like, I got nothing. Like, I had no retort. I had no snarky comment. I had nothing mean to say about what they were doing at Capitol. So I brought him. I still didn't believe it. I'm like, cool. I'm not going to be mad if somebody's talking about loving my kid. Like, that's not a bad thing. He can come. He can experience that. Um, But I just would sit there and I would sit there and I'm like, gosh, these guys really believe that like this is who this God is. And it's so weird. And I would watch Suzanne up there and I found slowly the uh, feelings of unknowing, like uh, not knowing what they were feeling or why they wanted to be here, why they wanted to be part of that, slowly started turning into feelings of being almost, well, not almost, like angry. I was angry. Like they have this thing that they love and they mm-hmm. feel this love because um, their parents brought them here as kids, and that, that was my immediate belief. That it's just they grew up with faith, so it makes sense that they have it. Mm. Um, and it felt out of reach to me in some ways to feel like that kind of love. Even if I didn't believe th- in the God they felt it from, I wanted to feel loved like that. Mm. So I remember getting really mad. And I was sitting in a service, and I was like, oh, I just wanted to storm out. I really did. I was sitting there like anger in me, and I wanted to storm out from the service. But I also don't like drawing attention to myself. (laughs) (laughs) You were stuck. (laughs) I was stuck. No good options. And I was like, as soon as this is over, I'm out of here and I'm not coming back. Um, And I got up at the end of the service and I whole body felt shoved by the Holy Spirit, like pushed in the opposite direction towards the front row of chairs instead of towards the door. And Kelly Preston was sitting there, who I didn't know, hadn't talked to before. Um, but I walked up to her and I was like, you don't know me, but I have questions. <laughs> and I just like started going off on sweet, sweet Kelly. You know, from there, she and I, like she, she was so sweet. She was like, mm-hmm. 
yes, can we set up a time to talk? (laughs) (laughs) And we did. And we've talked so much since then. I mean, it hasn't been like clear since that day for sure by any means. But, you know, my, my son wanted me to come here and... I know that God knew he was the only person I would go to church for. Mm. <laughs> and here we are. And it's just, it's, it's been home since. Well, Roxy. Yes. Let's hear a little bit from mom about background context yeah. of your life, which has been tricky. Yes, it has. As Jake had mentioned. <laughs> yeah. You can I, hear uh, some of that too. Yeah. I, I was raised a uh, very strict mm-hmm. religious uh, family and um, totally everything was controlled. I didn't get to make choices. We all went to church. There was no discussion about it. And, and I, so I got into it. I like learning and reading and that kind of thing. And so I always studied. And um, so there's that side of my upbringing. But there's this other innate spirituality that I've had since I was a little bitty kid where I always felt something around me. I felt protected. Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of a dichotomy of a, a way to live, live life. Um, but I really threw myself into it. I was extremely active, uh, raising my kids. Um, you yourself, one of yeah. 11. Yes, I, I like the these, oldest these details of 11. about yes. these numbers, which seem that. like they're not real to me. <laughs> they're very unreal to have a family that large. But yeah, my father, the only child, decided to have a really large family. <laughs> and so, you know, there's something about being the oldest in a large family. You become this quasi parent. You don't have, you've got the responsibility, but not the mm-hmm. benefits. And then you're also not one of the kids because now you're bossing him around all the time. So it's interesting when, when Tegan was talking, I was reminded of so many nights where the whole household is asleep and I'm standing at my bedroom window watching it snow in Chicago and crying because I felt so alone in this giant family. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up in went to religious university and just was diehard and got married the way I was supposed to, to the type of person I was told to marry and all of the things and started raising my family. And then all kinds of other things started to happen and go wrong that drove me out of that faith. Mm. And I assumed all organized religion was like that. And so I told my children so. And I did a really good job of convincing them that organized religion is the fastest way to lose your spirituality, because that had been my experience. And I'm naturally a truth seeker, so I didn't stop looking for truth. I still read scriptures. I still prayed. I just didn't talk about it to anybody, including my children. And I would give them life examples and share things, people that I felt were making a difference in the planet and caring about humanity and that kind of thing. And um, some of them, like Tegan's had some experiences with people who've had an impact in the world, which has been kind of cool. But when it came to Jesus, if you look at the impact someone has when they come into your life, 
that's the thing to look at. Not what they say, not what they do, but what does them being in your life, what difference does that make? And you can look at the life of Jesus and see he made a difference. People treated each other better. They learned not to judge. They learned to love each other. And, you know, some of these character traits that I think were greatly lacking in society now. We don't do things that build strong character traits as a society and a culture anymore. So where do you learn to tell the truth? Where do you learn to be patient? Where do you learn to, hmm. you know, treat people correctly and, and love your fellow man and things like that? So faith has always been really important to me, but I didn't have anybody in my life to talk to about it. And my mother came to visit me before she passed and said, what would it take to get you to come back to church? And I said, you know, if I could ever find a community where the people really loved each other and they cared about each other and they really reached out and supported each other, then I would go because that was not my experience. And so I get pregnant with this one, <laughs> number six. I'm this one. <laughs> yeah, this one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> After five boys in a row, mm. I don't think I'm ever going to have a daughter. And, um, and I had been challenged to do a research paper on a really intense topic that I kept pulling from faith into this research paper. And so for my personal experience of doing this project for someone else, I felt closer to something. I just didn't know what. And she's named Tegan Elizabeth Cross is the name that I gave her. Tegan is Welsh and means the beautiful one. But Elizabeth is such a powerful name from the Bible. And it means consecrated to God. So even though I was rootless in any kind of a faith at the time, I was consecrating my first daughter to God <laughs> by the way that I named her. It was completely intentional. So life goes on and this and that and divorce and raising kids and life has never been a picnic yet. Um, continued to try and do the best that I can, just like I think almost all of us do going through our lives. We try to do the best that we can with what we've got to work with. And so when my daughter starts saying, you, you want to come to this church with me? What I remember is she invited me to a Thanksgiving service. That's the one that I came to. And, and it was lovely. And then I came again another time with her, and weeks go by, and I came another time. Mm -hmm. And then the thought occurs to me, I've never been offended here yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that really tells you where I came from, that that was my thought, you know? I can be exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try and be something I'm not to be part of this group, this community. And that's, in my mind, what I call us is the capital community. Mm -hmm because there's all kinds of people here, and they come from all kinds of backgrounds, but there is love in this place. So it was funny because then 
Tegan's younger sister, Danica, was started to come too. So then it was the three of us cross women. I mean, Tegan's last name is Nardone now, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I still think of us a little as the cross women. Um, but this is something that we do together. And, you know, for God to move in mysterious, magical ways and and bring other members of the family in would be really exciting. And that's definitely going to be in his good time. (laughs) But in the meantime, I now have people I can talk about faith with that I gave birth to Mm -hmm. and that I have met because I've been in this community. In both of your stories, as you talk about this shift, yeah. And I want to we want to ask about, you know, some some mileposts and some markers of how mm. things, you know, turned. I think that would be important to share too. But the word love yes. kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Yes, we feel loved. And here. that I don't I don't know, I don't know why that doesn't necessarily shock me or 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 stand out, but that that can be unique. But that the experience of love, we we throw that word around. You said you walked in, you felt love. That <laughs> in itself, yeah. No argument. No, yeah. let's debate this. No, let's get to the theology of this or that. The experience of feeling loved, yeah, in an environment that was that had to do with God was uh, such a powerful thing. I would say, I mean, just so much of my earlier experiences in life, I really got to a place where I felt like I wasn't lovable. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I dealt with that in a lot of ways. Um, I dealt with that in a lot of really bad ways sometimes. And honestly, the biggest shift for me was, you know, I, I had in a lot of ways, given up on trying to be lovable because I just kept missing the mark. Mm. I kept making people around me mad. They kept leaving that kind of stuff, Um, just not feeling good enough and not feeling like I knew what to do to be good enough. Um, We definitely had some times when I was younger, I mean, living in a house with no electricity or running water, not knowing mm, how long we're going to live in the yeah. place. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It was rough. Um, not having that confidence in the next meal. Not having the confidence that we were all going to stick together. You know, it was it was really hard. And when I was an adult and I was kind of out of the more remote parts of my childhood and living in bigger cities around people who had had more, you know, air quote, normal lives, I just didn't fit. I really didn't fit. Um, I rubbed people the wrong way because I would say things that didn't make sense to them. Um, They would rub me the wrong way and I would lash out because of it. And I genuinely got to a place where I'm like, okay, Tegan's just this weirdo and I'm just going to do my thing and I'm just going to bulldoze my way through Mm -hmm. this life. And that's going to be okay. I'm going to get what I want out of this life um, because I'm going to take it because no one's going to give it to me. And it... It was awful. I mean, I felt very justified lying about all kinds of things because who cares if my words hurt people? Their words are going to hurt me too. Mm-hmm. Who cares if my actions hurt people? They're just going to hurt me too anyway. We're all just in this for ourselves. So to come in 
and to see people like genuinely just loving each other. It was unreal to me in so many ways. It was easy to try and pass it off as fake, but you can just, you, you can tell when people are being authentic and when they're not, you know, I mean, we talk about intuition, people know if you're paying attention, you can pick up on when somebody's being genuine and authentic with you. And a lot of ways, I think that's where that early anger came from is, well, how come you guys get this? Mm-hmm. Then again, I took it back to like, I'm just assuming from their childhood, they've all been raised in churches mm-hmm. like this. And so <laughs> they've all just known how to love each other like this the whole time. And I've definitely learned that is not the truth. I mean, case in point with just me, that is not the truth. I have been so loved here. And I remember hearing this song. I started listening to K-Love. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I a love big the music. Thing. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people will say that. Having yep. that radio station on in your car, it just... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. There's a song. It's a catalyst. Uh-huh. There's a... There's a, there's a, a a, a bubbly milestone. song. Yep, the bubbly what song. What is the bubbly song? It's by Love and the Outcome. And uh, the the words, I'm not going to get them exactly right, but this, it goes something along the lines of, if it was all about religion, what to do, what to say, what to wear on Sunday. Um, and then it goes on to like, if it was all black and white, never gray, I'd never make it. I'd never be good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the chorus goes, you got to know the God I know. And oh. it started to click for me that I could know that God. I could. It's mm. possible. And if I know that God, maybe I could be loved by that God the way that I saw everyone else felt loved by that God. Wow. And, and maybe I could just be enough. Right where I was, like may- maybe, maybe I really could. Maybe it was possible for me. It's this thing that had felt impossible for me. Maybe I really could be loved and be enough. And that just, it, it changed everything, that, that tiny little seed of hope that just started to sprout in my heart. Maybe I could have that. Maybe that, maybe that is something that weirdos who grew up with a lot of electricity and <laughs> say really awkward things in public situations can have. <laughs> it feels I, the idea of, I don't have to fight. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's this yeah. feeling of freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fight anymore to be this or say that or there's a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a different way. I remember in my first experience reading be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. I didn't know that there was. I didn't feel like I really knew there was another Well, if I'm not going to be angry, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to yeah. But there's a whole other way. <laughs> what am I yeah. supposed to there's do? There's a whole there? other way. That's all I know. <laughs> there's a new way to carry life yeah. with God. And there's a freedom in it. Can I back up? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I realized I don't know some of your story. Like when I my jaw literally dropped when you said no power. <laughs> like living remotely with no electricity, yeah, no I, power. Surf like skim the surface of what might be helpful context. Let's see where to start. So I, I was raised by a um, fairly affluent family. My father knew he was going to make a lot of money, wanted to have a really big family. And so we all worked hard. We all had responsibilities in the household. And that's how I was raised. Um, then I married someone who I have a hard time describing him to this day. And yet I've known him since I was 17 years old. Brilliant and talk about thinking out of the box consistently. So 
I thought I was marrying into a kind of a, you know, upper middle class and that kind of a thing. But once we got married, uh, he would like want to try all these adventures. We moved all the time, all the time. I went to 13 schools growing up. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. by the time I got divorced, I had lived in 60 places and maybe eight of those were before I got married. So, including college. So um, so there's a lot of moving around. And he would um, have this grand idea. And because I'm married to him, and you do what the man says, which is how I was raised, I made the best of it. And there, for, for example, with the time when we lived without electricity, uh, that was for several months. And we had to haul water and so I'm pregnant with my son I had after Tegan. So she's my littlest, and I'm pregnant, and I've got these five other boys, and we're living on a river in a wall tent, a, an old camper that's the same age I am, and a cab over camper. And I am cooking on, a, on wood, you know, a, a wood fire, or with a Coleman camp stove to take care of my family. I have no electricity. We had a two-seater outhouse. Now, I should preface this with, I'm a Chicago suburbanite debutante. (laughs) I was not prepared for this stuff at all. But I just was like, okay, let's make the best of this, kids. And we had no phone, and my husband would leave on construction jobs for months at a time and I had no money I had to make do with whatever I had and I've washed clothes in a river for my whole family and it was rough Um, my mother sent me a letter at this point and it was addressed to me and it was past the address was past the Putney's house on the left through the river (laughs) Wow. Nowhere, Utah. And that's where we were. And in that letter, she said, I have not worked this hard in my life to see my daughter live like my grandmother did. But I kept trying to treat it like an adventure, like, okay, now I'm going to get to learn how Dutch oven cooking works or things like that. So it was very challenging. We lived in a home for a time that a man let us live in this home that had not been inhabited for 10 years. And we didn't know that the timbers under the house, they'd been flood irrigating. And so they were weakened. And my one of my sons fell through the floor a couple of times. And we were using a wood stove and we tried coal to keep it hot all night to warm us. I mean, really rudimentary survival stuff. And It was beyond me. I was depressed, and I was barely functioning a lot of the time, and I had all of these kids that I loved, and no support, no one to talk to, except God all by myself in my room at night, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, pleading, I remember one time pleading with him, I, I took my wedding ring off, and I said, here, take this too. You've taken everything else I have. Take this too, because I just didn't know what else to do. So when Tegan talks about how hard it was, it was. 
in this modern day, we were heating with propane pain. We were heating with wood stoves. We were, I had to heat the water to wash everything. Dishes, I had to heat it on a wood stove. I had long, long hair. So it took a lot of water to heat up to get the temperatures right so I could lean over a sink and wash my hair. And I cut it off because it was too much trouble. And I got in trouble with my husband for cutting my hair because women are supposed to have long hair. So this is the upbringing that my daughter had. Which is really funny because like when I think about it, it felt so normal to me. What difference did I know? I knew Mm -hmm. nothing different at that age. I remember like our bathtub was like a big horse trough yeah. that we built a fire underneath to warm the water. And I remember like you couldn't go in the middle of it because it would get way too hot there. But you we could put like a play towel on the side. Down. And it was fun. I enjoyed it, bathing in that as a kid. Yeah. The hard thing for me was transitioning to adulthood and realizing like this how was not normal was. at all. And I would say things that I thought were funny. Um, the joke about the time that my brothers dug a hole in the backyard and just stuck me in there all day and like that kind of stuff. And I was like, ha ha, She couldn't get out, but stories. she could see everything that was going on. <laughs> and people would be like, are you okay? Do you need to talk to somebody? And then I just didn't like know what I could and couldn't say. I realized that oh, everything like that I thought was normal this? was not normal. Mm. Yeah. And was it abusive and things like that? Mm. Just trying to do the best we could. And people who know me now would just have a really hard time understanding what I was like back then. But I literally did whatever my husband said. I didn't know I had a choice. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true for a lot of people in the world from different cultures and situations. You don't know that there is another option out there. And when I left that marriage... It did, my life didn't become easier in overall, but it was different challenges then. Mm-hmm. Then it yeah. was different. And it was rough. And, you know, it's not something that I've talked about with my kids or that they've ever come to me and talked about really is what it was like to go through the divorce. But when I picked up my kids to drive away from the house we'd been sharing, they immediately started in on all the things they could do now because they would have choice, Mm -hmm. only having me for a mom. And that, I mean, it just sucked the air out of my lungs as I was driving, listening to my kids. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy pretzels. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's the first thought. (laughs) I know, because we weren't allowed to have pretzels anymore because somebody spilled a bag of them once. Things like that. So it took a while. And I think that's another thing that maybe people don't, kids don't know as they're growing up that their parents are growing up too. So they had, you know, and with such a large family, there's 19 plus years between my oldest and my youngest. So the experiences of the oldest are very different than the experiences of Tegan and her younger siblings. And yet there's still just this, a lot of adjustment and transition. And I never felt like I fit in either. I, this is, you know, another connection we can talk about later because I never fit in anywhere, tried. But I'll tell you the one thing when we were talking about love of the capital community, it isn't just that I feel loved here. I can love people here. 
I can be who I am, which is a very loving, generous person. Mm -hmm. And I can just freely be that person. Um, and uh, that brings up all kinds of other stuff. But when you're always in survival mode, you hang on to everything mm -hmm. and, and out of fear and you don't know what's going to happen next and things. But there is a calmness and a sweetness of being part of this community that is so refreshing. And I have so much gratitude for the Lord for kicking the door open in my daughter's life to come here because I would not have walked through the door of a church the rest of my life. I wouldn't have done it. I never would have. You gotta love how my kid brought me and then you. There is, there is that obvious your kid brought you brought your kid brought you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. God bless Matthew. <laughs> Oh, thank you for yeah, that. sharing that <laughs> perspective and just the reality of what life was like and the transition, not just yeah. into adulthood from a, a, a childhood that was unique or from a, a life that was unique, um, but then transition into a whole different kind of faith. And you were talking about the song Love and the Outcome mm -hmm. and how that was a shift, a, a marker for you, a moment. Yeah. There was the feeling of love. Mm -hmm. And there were kind of these words that spoke to you through music. Yeah. And then there was, okay, what do I believe? Do I really believe this stuff about God? The theology? How did that kind of unfold? The first thing I, I did is, I mean, just cracked open a Bible. The same friend who had first invited me to Capitol, she bought me my Bible. Mm. And so I, I just started reading it and, you know, various things stood out to me. It was a real roller coaster reading it, especially because six months after I started coming to Capitol, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was just like, let's just throw it all in together. We're going <laughs> to sh shuffle everything I believe in and everything I know. And so I had a lot of downtime during that time, because it was just a lot of laying around. And I read it, and I read it, and I found myself praying 17 times a day some days, you know, just whatever mm -hmm. we had to do, because there was something I wanted. Um, I wanted that that connection. I wanted that love. And that was the, the way that I knew to get it at that point. You know, I'm just going to talk to God, and I'm just going to read, and I'm going to talk to him, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to talk to other people. And I'm going to call Kelly Preston again for the millionth time because <laughs> I still don't get this. <laughs> and uh, she gave me an amazing book on spiritual disciplines. And I just wanted all of the information, all of it. Um, I, then when I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, I realized how connected I was to the rest of the world because of my connection through God. And mm. so it went from feeling like I was on my own. Hmm to I am tied to this whole world. Even people who don't see God the same way as me, they don't know, you know him the way that I know him, he's still their father. So they're my siblings, and I'm connected, and I'm not alone. And then I just, I went from like wanting to isolate myself so that I could build up my strength and you know conquer the world on my own like I wanted to do in my youth to I wanted to know everyone in this world. I want to know them. I want to understand them. 
so that I can see God in their lives too. Just feel that way that we are all tied together and connected. We have this Father that loves all of us, that pulls us all together. And I haven't felt alone since, honestly. What a beautiful just testament to community through that, mm -hmm. like your desire to to better understand the family of God. Right. Like, oh, you love God too. Yeah. (laughs) We, we, therefore. Or you don't, but God loves you. Right. Right. Like, therefore, we, yeah. That's, these are some. I, t- I hesitate to use the word basic because it's not basic. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> it's, and I don't mean that in any way as simple, you know, but these like these basic principles of our faith are so complicatedly amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Community. Yeah. Love. We keep coming back to that word love. And it, it seems so basic. And at its core, it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, love one another as I have loved you. Like yeah. it's just... Mm-hmm. It's what led me to, to join, the, join the prayer team here. I just, mm-hmm. I want to hear people talk mm-hmm. about where they do and don't see God in their life. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is hard? What is wonderful? What are they hoping for? And how can I help mm-hmm. pull God into the conversation with them? Um, it's been one of the best, best gifts God's given me, mm-hmm. um, pulling me onto the prayer team so that I can have these conversations. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's for me. Because I get to mm. see God moving in others, and I get to feel that connection that yeah. I longed for my whole life. Yeah. But also to have that opportunity to intercede for someone, intercede, yeah. yeah, is a privilege. It's a real gift. So your relationship when you had this shift and moved from no God in your life at all too and had this experience of coming here and and invited your mom. How how did that how has your relationship changed? Slash has it. <laughs> slash I bet it has. Do you remember how I said I was really mean when I was young? <laughs> yeah. I definitely w- was you should have well seen known. Roxy's face just now. <laughs> Validation. I don't have a poker face. <laughs> I was my nickname was Bratnik. Uh, I was well known for for being mouthy. I, I was angry. I was angry all the time. And we, you know, we've had times where we've gone years without talking. Mm. Yeah, it's um, been rough. We've butted heads like unbelievably throughout our lives. Yeah, um, a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding mm-hmm. and just and hurt and anger. So yeah, hard mm-hmm. on both ends. Yeah. Um. So. I've always loved her more than life itself, (laughs) more than my tundra, (laughs) my luggage. (laughs) I feel that mom thing. But but it's you know being able to show it when someone Uh is so angry. Yeah, I didn't know how to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. Made choices, and that was one of the biggest immediate changes in me. My son talks about how much nicer I am. And it breaks my heart that he knows a past me that wasn't. It breaks my heart that he knows that. But I love... Oh, we can sit humble before God uh, with that. Uh-huh. Right. Thank God. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And he talks about how patient and kind I am now. And that's definitely Jesus working. Like, that is not me. I will not mm-hmm. take, cannot take credit for that. That is <laughs> Jesus just digging in there and working in me. And it's incredible because now, I mean, I remember 
the first people I started thinking of when I was coming to Capitol that needed to be here were my mom and my sister. And I talked to everyone at Capitol about how I needed to get my mom and my mm. sister here. And I love that she doesn't really remember me inviting her a whole bunch because I was trying to be I like ignored my it, friend. I'm sure. And just like lighthearted talk about my cool church. <laughs> just in case they got interested. I <laughs> probably was not listening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember at one point talking to Mackenzie here at Capitol and I'm like, I think God wants me to talk to my sister and my mom less about my faith and my church and it feels so weird and I don't know why and I don't like it but like I'm feeling like this like the reins he's pulling the reins a little bit and so I did I pulled back a little bit and I found when I did they started talking about their faith more they started asking <laughs> well, when I stopped jabbering away all the time about it they had heard enough to have a few questions and to ask and to say what they felt and what they thought and what they believed and it was just kind of like a little fun game of tug of war almost. Mm. I was pulling them and then I let it go a little bit and then they pulled me towards them. <laughs> it was really amazing. So I'm so grateful that while it did not make sense in my head, I listened to that, you know, that push from him. Mm -hmm. And that's what led to her being here. And I didn't know how it was going to go by any means. I wouldn't even say our relationship was great then. I just really wanted this for them because I do love them. So were there particularly impactful moments for you as you began to open the door back <laughs> a little bit to allow yourself a new relationship with God? Not that it had ever, you know, not had a relationship, but just just a new type of like what? Yeah, it's what very the, different. Because it's it must be just changing a line of thinking. Absolutely, that is and hardened over time. Right. And it isn't just thinking, it's in my guts. Mm -hmm. It's my belief structure. Mm -hmm. And I I know initially I would listen, but then I'd get these little thoughts like, well, it wasn't like that then, you know, back in the day where scriptures pulled out of context to prove a point that I took huge issue with that, mm -hmm. got in a lot of trouble. Um, I say I left, I was pretty much driven out because I asked questions and I wanted to know. And I was told um, by, a, by a leader in my previous church, um, studying the scriptures is the fastest way to apostasy. I don't know how you wrap your mind around that one. But I mm. said, well, I think you come into a thing looking for truth. You know, whatever purpose, mm -hmm. whatever brings mm -hmm. you into something is the mm -hmm. same thing that can take you out. Well, I came into that faith looking for truth, and I left still looking for it. Friends in Capital turned me on to a new show called mm -hmm. The Chosen, mm -hmm. and it's the story of Jesus done like I have never seen it in my whole long life. But I've Watched everything, all of the episodes so far, twice, and a couple of them extra. I love the little kids. Episode three from the first year. <laughs> and um, and it's as I'm living my life now, it's made me feel like these real people are now in my life influencing me also. The stories came to life through that. There's resources. I've listened to messages from Troy and others who've recommended books that I've gone and purchased and, and then read them. And that's added to my understanding things I never saw when I was in a different faith. And, and I really appreciate that because there's still so much more to learn. And when you're a, I don't even know how to pronounce the word. I just know I am one. Philomath, Philomath constantly learning, always mm -hmm. eager and hungry for new mm -hmm. new learning. It's 
awesome for me to know that I can find that in this topic. There's never an end to it. I know. There's always more to learn about the life of Jesus and how he lived his life and how we can live our Mm -hmm. lives. And Mm -hmm. there's always more to understand about the stories in the scriptures Mm -hmm. that maybe we you know, earlier in my life didn't really pick up Mm -hmm. on, but now they have more impact for me now. I'm just thinking about the person out there. And maybe it's a person that has been burned by a church. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a person that's been burned by life. Maybe it's a person that's been burned by both. Both, yes. But that yet still, you know, in the shower, looking outside at the snow, in that tenderest moment with a child, looking at the sky, they know there's there's a God. Anything that comes to you when you think of that person? I would say, I mean, if there's anything that I, I want mm. people to take away is mm-hmm. that wherever you are, whatever mm-hmm. you're feeling, it's okay. There's mm-hmm. not a place you have to get to. There's not a thing you have to do first. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. has to be done first. All of that can be pushed aside. Anything else can wait wherever you are. Um, however you're feeling, it's fair, it's justified. I, don't, I won't you know, speak to any of that, but at the core of all of us, I, I believe, it's that, that desire to be loved, um, to be accepted, and, and even maybe to be better, to feel better, to know better, to understand better. And that first step is, okay, here's where we are, and I want to know more. I want that. It's that that longing. I want to feel loved. I want to feel accepted. I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. And once you want that, just know it's possible. Mm-hmm. You can have it. God loves you. He's there for you. We love you. Even if I haven't met you, I promise I do. I really feel it right now. <laughs> it's I totally do. true. <laughs> it's totally true. God's arms are wide open. Yeah. <laughs> wide open. And think about that. With the Jews and the Gentiles, mm-hmm. right? And thinking oh, yeah. there's no way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not allowed. You know, all of that. And to then, wait, wait, what? Wait, they can come in? They can be part of this? <laughs> yeah, the Gentiles can be part of this too. Mm-hmm. I just think that must have been, you're welcome here. You're welcome here, right? It's always a seat at the table. Okay, what would you say? <sighs> Well, one thought that went through my mind when I was thinking about when she was little, and I'm pregnant with Josh, her younger brother, and I have her on my hip, and I'm just in my life, up to my eyeballs, over my, completely over my comfort zone. If this taken Mm. had come into my life, how she would have changed it. Mm -hmm. My life would have been better Mm. if I'd had someone like her. You know, and there's times when I think, this person I am now, I would love to go back and just hug that younger me and say, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And no matter what the challenges were, and I mean year after year after year, decade after decade, it's okay because I always learned something and I developed character traits that are strong and could get me through things. And that faith, even when I didn't know what it was I was believing, but I knew there was something bigger than me that cared about me, and I had the words in the 
Christian scriptures to give me strength. I lived on that, mm-hmm. and and it supported me, and it got me through. Even just the littlest thing can get you through. Or a kind word from a stranger. Um, and, and if people are listening to this and feeling unworthy, it's a horrible place to be. But God forgives all of us everything. So even to feel like I'm not deserving or I'm not worthy, it's, it's not real. It's something other people have put on us or we've put on ourselves because God loves us unconditionally. And all we have to do is walk through the door. All we have to do is tell him where we are. And, and he'll be there for us because he always is. We just have to let it happen. Well, thank you guys yeah. for, oh, thanks for you. sharing your extraordinary story. Good. I'm so <laughs> glad we took our time with it. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting us. Wow. You know, one of the things that I just loved about this interview was the simple reminder, although it's not always so simple to remember, that you simply don't know what's going yeah. on in the life of the person you happen to be sitting next to at church. Right. I mean, reflecting on this, the different people and circumstances that God put in place to, number one, bring Tegan to church... And number two, bring Roxy to church. And then number three, keep them coming back is just, it's just a miracle, yeah. it feels like, from God. And knowing their story, I hope this episode will help you reach out and let God use you yeah. to be the person who shares his love, who helps someone else feel simply like they belong. Yeah. We just have no idea the impact that that can have. Yeah. If you liked what you heard today, uh, you can make a donation to support this ministry online at capitalchurch.com slash give. And you can check out some of the resources that Tegan and Roxy talked about online at capitalstories.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again in a couple weeks.